It's Tuesday, March 19th, 2019, and you're listening to the Nate Stack, an esports podcast exploring news and events across competitive shooters, hosted by players for players. I'm your host, Jacob Haterade Bailey, joined as always by Christian Soupdale. Congratulations go out as our first remarks for Luminosity Gaming, who took down the Call of Duty World League Fort Worth tournament. Uh, second place is Splice, third being Team Reciprocity, fourth being 100 Thieves. Luminosity takes it down and takes home that top prize. We will get into more of this as we cover Pro League in our new segment, which we will hop into right now. Starting with Counter-Strike, we have our March 13th update, nerfing the AUG, I, I guess slightly. Uh, we saw an increase in price back to 3300 in which Valve basically said, now that all of you have found that the AUG is good, as if we didn't know that before, maybe you'll spend a little bit more for it. Uh, what other updates and fixes and patches does this bring around for a suit? Uh, besides that, the biggest one, I think, is the changes in the Lost Streak bonuses. So I will just read directly from the patch notes so there's no confusion for the listeners. So, we'll kick it off with this. Round loss bonuses are now based on the count of a team's rounds. team round losses. The count increases by one after every loss and decreases by one after every win. So the with zero losses, the team gets $1,400 with one loss, $1,900 with two, 2400 three, 2900 and four plus 3400 Previously, a win would reset the loss bonus. Now it just reduces it by one counter. So, for example, if you're at a three loss bonus and you win, you go down to two loss bonus instead of zero. Teams will begin the half with a loss count of one. And uh, that's pretty much it for the loss bonus changes. So before we go into the rest of the update, what do you think of that, Jacob? I think that the economy is, well, it's, I don't think, there is no thinking about it. Let me, let me just stop there. The economy is one of the most important aspects of Counter-Strike, yeah. of the game of Counter-Strike. And so when you're making changes like this, you have to be very careful about yeah. how you're doing it. And so the fact that this is, it's no longer resetting. Yeah. It's simply, how it do I say? It's back, basically. It's one counter down, as they put it. Yeah, it's like it's you're going to get put into situations where perhaps an eco is more likely to happen. Like you, you know, you might reset somebody. Well, that that's never going to be the case anymore. Yeah, because it's yeah. like you're always going to have a little bit more money. Yeah, exactly. So I I actually managed to play a lot of Counter Strike this past week, and just playing it, we would play and we'd be doing really well. And then we'd lose a round or something. And normally it'd be in a situation where like, okay, we're going to just force up because we're going to have to save twice and then we'll get a decent buy. No, it was more like we lost one. Let's just get some upgraded pistols, armor, maybe even an SMG, flashbang, and then we can just full buy the following round. Like there was never this extended time where we're forced to eco after eco after eco. Yeah, it almost, to me, it almost makes it seem like that there's not much in terms of economy management that needs to be done anymore. Yeah, which that's, you know, that's what makes Counter-Strike unique, I think, the, the economy aspect. And I think any mm -hmm. time, as you said, you have to be really careful because I think if 
we, we talked about in a previous episode, one of our earliest episodes, that the Counter-Strike meta doesn't change that drastically. But in this case, when any time you alter the economy, that's when you're going to get a meta change. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, too. So you're going you're gonna to see a lot more rounds that maybe this is a good thing because maybe it'll make rounds a little bit more competitive on a round by round basis. There's going to be more gun rounds. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be more gun rounds. There's going to be, even if you get quote unquote reset or you lose a round and that, that number ticks back, you're still going to be getting a decent amount of money. Yeah. Like it's, I think it increases by 500 every time. So, you know, that's, you know, if you're a four round loss bonus and you win one, you know, being reset is one of the harshest things to do to a team in competitive play. And now that that can't happen, I think it's going to let players do more risky things. I think, I don't know, it just shifts a lot of things. And I, I will say, I think this creates less times where teams just create those huge gaps and rounds. You know what I mean? Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, five, 10 or something like that. I think yeah. that's more unlikely because you know you don't have a team wasting two to three rounds on an eco trying to get their money back up yeah agreed so we'll have to see how it all pans out um on top of that some other other changes that might shift the meta a little bit in the a1s yeah uh, we they already talked about the aug and how they increase the price I, without spending too much time on it i just think it'll go back to where it was the fact that you couldn't spend the same amount of money as you would an M4 to get that gun, which is just clearly better in a lot of regards, like you get a scope and you know, there's not much else to it. I think we're just going to see more M4 A4s and in this case, more A1Ss. Yes. Because yep, go ahead. The, uh, the magazine now holds 25 bullets has three, mags in reserve so 75 in reserve and then um obviously with that change a lot of the problem with the a1s at least in my opinion was that you weren't able to spam things very efficiently yeah you just ran out of ammo way too quickly and so now you have something that can hold up its weight in the a1s and i you know i always thought the a1s was good before i just I always defaulted to the A4 because I wanted that 30 round mag. Yeah. And I think it's so funny that Valve, you know, says now that you've learned to love the all, we put it back to 3,300. Well, half the reason we liked this because only 3,150. And my, yeah. Exper- yeah, my experience playing this past week, everyone immediately swapped to the A1S and that's all you saw. There was a couple guys when we had some good rounds, they got an AUG, maybe one guy, maybe two guys every so often would get an AUG, but and of course, the new economic changes, it's a lot more uh, viable to buy an AUG. But I think everyone was having a blast with the M4A1S with the, these changes. The five bullets go a long way. It's just mm-hmm. such an accurate gun. I really missed using it when the A4 was really in the meta. The A1S, I would say, is back. And I think the community would agree. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I've already switched over to the A1S. Yeah. Again, and I've been loving my experience with it. So, yep. And then the only other major change besides the Prisma case, which we're not going to get into that, uh, is the shotguns have a price reduction. The Nova is now only ten fifty. The Salt also eleven hundred, and the Mag Seven is thirteen hundred. The Nova penetration is increased to one, and the Salt off range is increased to fourteen hundred. 
single shell shotguns in the middle of their reload sequence will no longer automatically continue to reload after player holsters and deploys them. So having played again a lot this week, there were certainly a bit more shotguns, especially the Nova. I saw it more frequently, but I don't know if that was just a testing. People are like, okay, it's only 1050. Let's see if it's worth it now. So I think we'll see them a little bit more often, but I don't know if it's completely meta changing. I'm actually going to spend five seconds on the Prisma case and just say it's probably one of my favorite skin cases in a while. Uh, I, yeah, I, I really like the M4A4 Emperor. Yeah, if I That's can get my hands on one, which I'm going to wait for them to probably decrease in price a little bit, but I may try and get one. Yeah, I just, I, I just love that skin. Yeah, I would say the price is probably going to decrease too because like we just talked about, the M4A4 is not necessarily in the meta now. So... Uh, the new op's pretty cool too, the serpent looking thing. I can't remember what it's called. Some unique name. Uh Atheris. That's Atheris, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So Regardless, overall, our English is bad, but update yeah. good. Update is very good. A lot of big changes. Uh real quick, actually, also added a flashbang assist. So now if you throw a flashbang and the enemy's flash and your teammate kills him, you pop up on the kill fee. Mm -hmm. uh, with the teammate. A lot of pros are complaining about this because they think it gives up position. Like, let's say Jacob and I are pushing a ramp and I flash out and he kills someone. Well, now they know I'm right with him, which I can see the merit in that. Um, at least for MM, I don't think it's going to make a big difference, but in really high-level competitive play, I, I could see how that could matter. Yeah. I, I'm sort of hesitant to think that it's going to be that big of a deal, but again, I don't I don't play the game professionally, so I can't speak to that. We'll have to see exactly how much they think it's game changing and to sort of keep our eye on it for a future yeah. update. Moving on is if cloud nine wants to kick all of their players off the team and completely yeah, scrap oh CS as a, <laughs> as a game. Uh, Kiyoshima is now expected to part ways with cloud nine and well, we're not going to spend too much time on this because it's the same old. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but uh, we saw Flusha, then Zelsus, then Kiyoshima all fall off of the same roster within the span of what? Two less weeks, than a, maybe. Two, yeah, less than a month. Well, so whenever Katowice ended. Yeah, it was so like a week we, after that. It, it's It's just... I'll let you put your input on it, but the most that I'm going to offer it as of right now until we actually spend our time talking about this in length in a topic episode is that it's just another instance of the esports organizations, I feel like, taking advantage of their players. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, just somewhat of a disappointing performance at uh, the major. We see two players already drop off. I know, I believe we talked about Zelsus was kind of the more his decision thing. So that's, you know, that's yeah. good. But it appears from this article that Kiyoshima um, or Cloud9 is expected to part ways with Kiyoshima, not so much that he's choosing to leave. But we don't have all the information there. It's just suspected. It's not confirmed. But uh, I remember saying that to you. Next thing we know, Kiyoshima was going to leave. And then, you know, a couple, like a week later, this article drops. So I would not be surprised if he's no longer on the lineup uh, next week. Yeah. So I'm, which makes me kind of upset for Kiyoshima because, you know, he had that whole fiasco about him where it was like, oh, Kyo is the problem and stuff like that. I think the exact opposite. I think Kyo is a very strong player. 
he's one of my favorites ever since I got into the game. I really yeah. like watching Kiyoshima play. He's one of those overlooked people because he's such a good support player, which you don't see their names popping up left and right. But he does really well. Yeah, and so I I really want him to find a home and uh you know not a permanent just, one at that. Yeah, one that but again, that, that's just the state of esports, I think, right now. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see where he ends up, where he finds a home. And yeah. even if even if temporary. Yep. And continuing with that, reports for Cloud9 are looking at two optic players, Config and Yugi. Uh appears that they may be trying to pick them up to replace the players they have lost. And if all these uh, suspect, you know, suspected changes do occur, their lineup would be automatic rush golden config and Yugi, which is kind of an interesting C9, you know? I, again, it's to me, it's like, I thought the previous C9 was interesting. I thought it was sick. Actually, the one with Kia. Yeah. Kia, yeah. Flusha, uh, Zelsus, Russian automatic. It Russian just had, automatic. yeah, it was cool. It's just one of those things. I'm not going to hold my breath at this new lineup too. The, these kind of articles that come out where they talk about this is the new up and coming cloud nine lineup. It just doesn't, it just doesn't do anything for me because yeah. I now know. And I have known that these rosters just simply don't last. They don't matter. Enough. It, 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 not, it not, almost doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Not from a regard of, you know, the team won't perform well with this lineup. It's not going to make the team better. It's a doesn't matter from a lasting perspective. Yeah. It's like how long, you know, how long do I want to say that each of these members is going to remain on the team? And it's like, it's a guessing game. And so until, until I see an article that says, Five members of Cloud Nine sign, yeah, know, that, three year contracts yeah, to play the game. Yep. It's like I'm not, I'm not going to care because yep. in six months this isn't going to be the same roster. Maybe less than that, to be honest. Probably so. less than that. So, anyway, yep. So Cloud Nine is experiencing a lot of changes. Uh, don't want to say the same old, same old, but it kind of is in regards to players shifting around left and right. So. Uh, we'll see how that goes for Cloud Nine. We'll keep our eyes posted. Moving on to complexity. It appears they're in discussion to pick up a 15-year-old talent. I believe he goes by Oboe, Owen Schlatter, Schlater, uh, I believe his name is pronounced. And mm -hmm. again, 15-year-old talent. So that's really cool. I like seeing, you know, some new young stars show up and make a, you know, their presence known in the competitive scene. We got some of these names that have been around for a really, really long time. So it's cool to see these, these new players uh, show up and just do really well. So... I look forward to seeing them him join complexity if that's the case. I would expect yeah. him to replace nothing because I know that wasn't a long term thing. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. To, he's pretty young. You know, 15 years old is pretty young to be yeah. getting getting into the professional scene. Seriously. Um but more power more power to him. If if he can make his rounds and actually perform uh, at that level, then He's going to be insane when he's older. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see what's holding him back. Yeah, I well, I, one thing is holding him back, uh, sadly, as of now, and that is the ESL Pro League has a 16-year-old restriction. So oh, wow. next year, we could see him in uh, the ESL Pro League alongside the members of Complexity. So um, beyond that, he may be performing in other tournaments, but as for the Pro League itself, we will not be able to see him until next year. Well... There's probably some merit to that. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. You I know, think you, 15 <laughs> is young. Yeah, 15 is pretty young comparatively to the other players as well. It's like, I, pro- I think that would make him the youngest professional I, player. I, I think you're right. So we'll have to see how complexity deals with this and how how they move into season 10. Do they have a young star, young talent on their lineup? Yep. Moving on, it looks like Mouse Sports is trialing Regen is the first thing that comes to my mind on how you pronounce that as a coach. Uh, being a former head coach for Tricked Esports, he hasn't coached in a couple years, but it looks like he is coming back into the lineup as a consideration for Mouse Sports. Yeah. But- yeah, they got this really fresh new lineup. And, you know, we talked about who knows how long that could last. But I will say it seems like Mouse Sports is putting a lot of effort, a lot of attention on this new lineup. You know, Kerrigan as an IGL, I'm assuming he'll be coming in there. Still, mm-hmm. Rops, a really young star. Chris J coming back after, you know, that little, you know, thing where they they dropped him or moved him to a sub or whatever. He's back. I think they just are looking for a fresh take with a fresh team uh, trialing this new coach. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Mouse Sports can do. This, you know, Mouse Sports is one of those teams as, as well that's had some uh, really interesting shuffles recently. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're trying. It seems like they're trying to find uh, ways to plug up the holes that they have. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, sure. it's a little bit different than Cloud9's perspective, where it just seems like people are being replaced. Mm-hmm. It seems like with Mouse Sports, they're actually trying to plug holes. Uh, in their lineup so yeah at least from what i at least from what i can gather so i I hope they do find something good out of this and can make a good run at it yep i agree so again uh moving on to more lineup talks uh this is a little different though Uh, a couple weeks ago or a week ago we talked about scream in existence heading up a new lineup um with hampus and hs and it appears that this lineup is actually now in talk with TSM. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I'm. we talked about it before. Uh, Scream was trying to, trying to do his own thing and, you know, have a team formed around him in existence. Yeah. Then we, this is the first thing we've heard since that time, and yet, it still just talks, right? Yeah, it appears so. And it appears as their fifth, again, Scream, Existence, HS, and Hampus would be the lineup. Without a fifth, they're looking to pick up Smuya, who was previously, uh, I believe, an opera on Big. So that would complete the five-man lineup. And I got to be honest, if I'm Scream and Existence and I get a call from TSM, I'd probably just take it. Well, they probably have a lot of consideration that they have to have to iron out. Yeah. They're, it's an organization coming and knocking at their door, but it's like there's there's probably some Stimp- stipulations. Stipulations, or yeah. yeah, exactly. They For have sure. to iron out. I agree. Um, but as we know, as we know, you know, it's been a little while. We've seen them, you know, run around left and right. It seems trying to f- put this org together. You know, TSM is a very established organization, you know, across many games. So, I will say, seeing that delivered to them if that is the case would definitely be a high consideration i would assume for that lineup 
100%. And then moving on, finally, in our CSGO news, it's basically been all about roster shifts. Yep. Ninjas in pajamas uh, welcoming back Draken as Dennis takes a step away from Counter-Strike. Yeah. So, again, this is kind of one of those better ones where they're filling a hole because Dennis is like, you know, I'm taking a break. So they pick up, you know, an old team member, which is, I think that's good. I, I think so, too. It's not... It's not ill will or anything like that. No, right? no, no. But so one th- one thing I do want to point out is that we're starting to see this quite regularly. This burnout. Yeah, for some players, I agree. And you'll note that not to not to hop on the back of Astralis again. They're not burnt out. Yeah, they're literally freaking boot camping a week, two hours or something after Katowice. They're feeling it, dude. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dennis has been playing for a while. I don't mm-hmm. know how old Dennis is, actually. Um, I will say the Ninjas in Pajamas official Twitter said he's taking, quote, takes a break from the competitive from competitive play due to fatigue. So, you know, that's fatigue is obviously he's tired. Probably a lot of traveling. You know, we know there's a lot of traveling involved with Counter-Strike. I don't know all the context, of course, but... uh he, it actually states in the article he will undergo medical examination. So I don't know the extent of this fatigue, as they said. Um, obviously wishing him the best if there's anything medical going on. But, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, and so I think uh, maybe Dennis is falling into the same same trap that uh, Golden was in mm-hmm. when he stepped oh, away. Yeah. You know, maybe his maybe he's not considering his health before the game. And, you know, this is something we may have to touch on today just for a few minutes. But the fact that organizations expect their teams to be present at all these events. Yeah, and there's a lot week after week. Yeah. And they're traveling all across the world. There's something to that that I think a lot of people miss. Yeah. And so maybe we'll have to touch on that too when we talk about uh, uh, shuffle changes in, in a future episode or we'll yeah. find some place to slot it in. Yeah, there's a lot that could that could almost be its own topic. It's just the honestly just player health, I guess, from a perspective of the lifestyle. It's just I, honestly, I dread going to an airport and getting, you know, going through that whole problem. I don't mind the actual flying, but. I could not imagine going to an airport maybe like two two to three times a month and making a flight to, you know, somewhere that's not home all the time mm-hmm. to compete in these tournaments weekend after weekend, you know. It's just kind of crazy. And, you know, Astralis, they go to the ones that they want to, and that's a bonus to them having their own org. But the thing is, you know, some teams, they can't just go to the ones they want. Astralis, they're, you know, they're confident they're going to win when they go. So mm-hmm. some other teams that don't get as many wins as Astralis, I would say, I, I or sometimes I'm just forced to go to more events than, you know. Yeah, because just showing up, you still get some sort of payout. Yeah, right. So anyway, we won't we won't dwell on that too long. We are going to wrap up our CS news and jump right into Rainbow Six. Uh, first off, we saw some interesting, an interesting player. A new face uh, coming alongside Dark Zero Esports in the North American Pro League uh, scene. Brandon Carr, known as BC on the team, heading up 
that roster of Dark Zero Esports and performing out of his mind. Yeah. Against Team Reciprocity, mind you. Yes. Now, it should be noted that the game that they played ended up being a draw. It just wasn't enough. But, man, he looks like an up-and-coming just total gunner. Yeah, dropping a 1.83 KD in that match. Just completely in top-level form, carrying the team. It wasn't enough at the end of the day. Nick's obviously close behind him, uh, putting up the numbers. He actually ended up getting more kills uh, than BC, but it's just one of those things. Like, you, you know, you have good players, you have mediocre players, and you have up-and-coming stars who can take a team by themselves. We saw this with Nico on Mouse Sports. Yep. Just exactly. take a team by themselves and pull them across the finish line when needed. Yeah. I, and again, fresh face on the scene. He just, you know, he, you know, it's just, you know, first, you know, first of these games, you know, he's getting back into it or getting into it, you know, getting into this environment, this professional league and to just come out there and like, you know, your first appearance game. That's kind of insane. Yeah, it is. I, I'm excited to see more of dark zero perhaps a, Jarvis hot and cold and mint uh, can take, take the mantle and really, really rally it behind the talent that they have on their team. And they have, they have talent too, that they can bring to the table. They just need to get, uh, get their feet a little bit more ingrained, I think, and to, to really compete at this top level. Yeah. And any pl- any listeners interested uh, BC during that match mained buck as the attack as his attacker and mained a maestro as a defender. Just if you have an interest with those results, as a gunner. operators, yeah, are definitely willing to look at. Yep, I, I, that on attack that just says to me that he's a gunner. Yep. Uh, you see that sledge, ash, buck, those kind of those kind of operators. They're meant for kills. They want kills. Yep. Um, yeah, they can get to do some soft breaching, but a lot of the times that's they're fragging, right? Yeah, it, that is just useful to what they're trying to do and that's trying to kill everybody yep so <laughs> that's true they do one thing really good and that's kill people so <laughs> yeah moving on uh to further rainbow six news we have specca joins Fnatic as a new sixth player soup what do you have for us on this so it, i believe it was after uh neophyte our or Neo Fighters contract was allowed to lapse. Fnatic brought on the uh, ex Dark Sided player, uh, Specca, as their sixth member. So again, he's the sixth member now, um, and that is a sub role, of course. But I find it very likely that he will be taking someone else's position on that lineup soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's just writings on the wall. Like he's coming in, somebody's you know, a, a chair is going to need to be filled and he's already got the spot. So we're going to see exactly how that lineup shakes out for Fnatic, how Fnatic moves forward in in the professional scene and what they can do uh, with him joining the roster. Yep, I think it's a good change. It's a cool change. We'll have to see where he ends up, what role he's specifically going to play on the team. Um, just keep your eyes on Fnatic in the coming weeks. 
Moving on from our siege news, pretty light in that community as of this last week. We're going to go into Call of Duty where we have, again, congratulations to Luminosity for beating Splice to win Fort Worth 2019, taking home the prize of $125,000. So if you want to give us a roundup on how they were able to do so. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good, fun tournament all in all. I you know There were some great, great matches. Um, I was hoping to see... 100 Thieves perform a little bit better, but there was an emergency substitution they had to make. So, you know, I'm sure that affected morale and just general team flow there. But Mm -hmm. uh, we can't all have the teams we want to see win. Um, Just happens. Name of the game. But anyway, looking at the final, it starts off and Luminosity actually was kind of smack and splice i believe it started uh, on frequency on a hard point match and they pretty much destroyed them and then they also destroyed them on a following search and destroy game and i'm thinking okay this is they're just gonna pound these guys and then suddenly splice comes out of nowhere and wins map three it was really close though and then map four very very close but luminosity pulls it out from under them and it was just a good match. Again, I was like, wow, okay, Splice is going to get destroyed. They make that comeback map, map. And then it was a really close fourth map. But I just think Luminosity were the better players that day. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about because you'll note that both Splice and Luminosity were in the same pool uh, yeah. of Pool C. And Splice actually won their pool going 3-0 wow. uh, and having a map win percentage of 69%. That's really good. <laughs> um, whereas Luminosity were the second second seeded team in Pool C uh, with a two one record and winning fifty eight percent of their maps. So you would think statistically from the previous, just previously in the in the same tournament previous matches, you would have probably taken Splice, right uh, out of the, out of the two teams. But no, Luminosity just pulling together, uh, realizing that the their backs are against the wall. And just really coming forth, bringing forth the humdingers in the first two first two games, setting a standard, and just have making splice fight for fight for it. So ultimately, taking it to that final destination and winning the game. Yeah, and it's really cool. Tournament. Yeah, because formal, you know, formal. I believe this is his first championship since joining uh, the Luminosity lineup, and that's pretty cool to see him you know, pull it through and get, get the win. That was, was pretty great. And I know Gunless was out there doing insane work for Luminosity, especially in that first game. Uh, and then Slack, Slack dropped 10 kills on Search and Destroy on Arsenal. That's, that's pretty, pretty sick, actually. So, you know, they came out there and their players, each of them had their match where they shined. And, you know, we talk about it, it's team game. You need your team to show up, and you know you don't. You, you have those players that carry, but sometimes players they're just stars on a match, and they just put put that team over the edge. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think there's that can be said for any esport. There's always going to be some players who are just considered better than others. I mean, it just is. It just is what it is. Some are just on another level. Yeah. And you know, I. And just congrats again to Luminosity for just taking what they had and running with it all the way to the finish line, taking home that grand prize. Yep. 
all in all, Fort Worth, great tournament. A lot of cool stuff went down. Congrats to Luminosity. Um, next week, though, you can go back to watching the CWL Pro League matches as the cross division begins. So Division A and Division B will be mixing it up, playing against each other uh, for the next two weeks. So you can look forward to watching that starting, I believe, the 25th. That is correct. First game, Heretics versus UU. So you can right. do that, and we'll have the uh, we'll have the schedule linked in the description box. Get in on your favorite Call of Duty matches. Before Fort Worth actually went down, just a sort of note, and what we'll get into a little bit more as we get into our major topic of the gentleman's agreement today, uh, Scump off of Optic revealing that the gunship was added just before the CWL Fort Worth tournament launch. So yeah, like literally like three days before or something, wasn't it? Something yeah. ridiculous like that. Well, I don't know how I feel about competitive changes like that close. Well, we're going to figure out how you feel and you better think about it fast. Cause we're coming yeah. in hot on that topic right That's after true. we discuss red reserves, Bants announcing a surprising roster update. Just after the CWL Fort Worth tournament concluded. What is that update and why are we surprised? Sue? Well, uh, for one reason, it was almost literally two hours after the tournament concluded that he tweeted and announced his free agency. Which I don't even know if that's just like full tilt or what, but I can't imagine finishing up a tournament and just going, yeah, I'm available. Pick me up. Like... I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, honestly. Um, uh, Timing's bad. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't that. know. Timing timing couldn't have been worse. Maybe in his head it was like, okay, well, screw this. Uh, I'm done with this team. It's not going to work out. We're not, we're not putting up the numbers that we need to. And, you know. Yeah, I, I mean – I don't. Yeah, they they didn't do bad. They finished top of their pool and then well, were in the top six. It's like, don't you still have to fly home? It's yeah. like at, at least fly yeah. home yeah, and I then know. make the announcement. Yeah, you know I don't what I mean. Know. It's like, dude, you're now. It's to me that's just. I'm gonna have to side with the organization on this because if I was heading Red Reserve and that happened, that would be like that would taste pretty bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's still I, I, under contract or he we're still under he's still under us and he now has just said, Yeah, by the way, I'm just you know, I'm a free agent soon. So it's like you know, well, like maybe after, they had something a part of it, but Yeah, after his first tweet, no no one thought he was serious. He made like two follow up tweets saying, This is not bait, hit me up if you have anything. I won't be playing at the cross division. So he's not playing, and their sub shocks will be stepping in in his spot uh, coming up next week in the cross division. But again, they didn't do terrible. Top six and top of their pool. I mean, it's not bad. I don't. I, I don't. I can't imagine just being on, like if you and I were pros and we just finished the tournament and we were like six top six. I don't think I'd be like eh, later, guys. Like I. I don't even know if I have the gall to do that. I yeah. I don't. I know I don't have the gall to do it because to me, it's like, and we'll get into this more. This is actually a good transition into our major topic because 
the esports industry should not be independent of the modern understanding of of a workforce of a yeah. job and it seems so much like that on both the players and the organization's perspective now there, there's a lot of arguments that we're going to dive into um in a future episode uh regarding regarding player health and player in the player versus organization sort of mentality but what we're seeing is a direct reflection of you know who who makes who makes the calls who is in charge of the professional scene and who is in charge of the teams who's in charge of the players and it seems we have some disconnect across games even though our pros and call of duty have decided to make the gentleman's agreement a definitive part of the competitive scene which is where we're going to go next we are going to be looking at an article published on dexerto.com as sort of our baseline for how we are approaching this subject headline is as such killa accuses pro call of duty players of killing the game killing in quotes uh, for reference i'm just going to read to you a, a couple paragraphs from this article and then we're going to come back and we're going to give our full-fledged thoughts on the gentleman's agreement what we think about it and how we think this can affect either positively or negatively the esports industry across the board article goes as such killa who is a veteran of the competitive scene has recently voiced his concerns about what he feels is going wrong with the current state of competitive pl play in call of duty his biggest frustration seems to be with the unofficial rule set that the pro scene is playing by and their use of all the gentlemen's agreements air quotes which restrict weapons that are allowed in the call of duty world the official rule set but that some players feel are too powerful to be played in competitive modes i'm going to skip down a couple and just say that killa explained that he was tired of all the new rules being added all quote all these gentlemen's agreements have completely killed playing online tournaments for me Going on, he blames the pro players for having a huge part to play in the constant meta changes and worries that it will have a terrible long-term impact for the competitive community. Quote, the pro scene still running this community into the dirt, and we can all thank them when COD's dead. In a tweet, uh, he said, all these gentlemen's agreements have completely killed playing online tourneys for me. Pro scene still running this community into the dirt, blah, 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 blah. We'll thank them when COD's dead. Sue, any any just initial reactions to this sort of uh, discussion or debate on the gentleman's agreement? I mean, those are really strong accusations. Again, he is proposing the idea that this these gentlemen's agreements could act actively kill the game, at least from a competitive standpoint. And I just, you know, make a note for listeners, if you don't know, Killa is not just some pro player. He has won the world championship in 2014. He, mm -hmm. he is very decorated. He has performed very well in Call of Duty tournaments. So this isn't just another pro player or anything like that. This is a guy who knows the Call of Duty meta. He's been around for a long time. So I would have to say that at least uh, his insight is absolutely worth noting. Um, yeah, I... 
I don't know. I mean, so yeah. So our topic is going to be the validity of the gentleman's agreement. Is it valid? Is it worth following? And according to Killa, it's certainly not worthy of even existing because the game's uh, life is really at stake. So the game can't support it. Is, yeah. is the short is the short yeah. answer for Killa. You can't you can't expect the game to continue to live and have these sort of restrictions. So soup before we even get deep into this topic, what is the gentleman's agreement? We've kind of defined it in that article and it's right. kind of known across the board, but, but what exactly is the gentleman's agreement? So the gentleman's agreement is a unofficial uh, rule set that professional players across the call of duty scene uh, come together and they basically say this weapon or this uh, specialist ability or this score streak is too unbalanced. It's too overpowered for competitive play. And again, this is not uh, set forth by any pro league rule set. These are players who agree upon this and then follow it as it is, as it is official, but players, there's nothing really stopping them from, you know, using things in the gentleman's agreement. So virtually what it is again, is a unofficial rule set that the players, of the community agree to follow due to, unbalanced items in the game so now that we have the baseline for what exactly the gentleman's agreement is it, it's it's important to note especially in call of, the call of duty world because this could take multiple different forms if this was in right. other games but how, how does it work in call of duty and basically the answer to that question is in short, whatever the pro players decide that they don't want, they, they think is too powerful or they think should not be in a game that is competitive in its own term is put on a list and it is, is put on the list and you just don't play it. Right. Yeah. There's really not much more to it than that. Yeah, so yeah, any any pro player can propose hey let's add you know the maddox to the to the gentleman's agreement and then you know that won't take any traction unless the rest of the community a lot of the high level i don't want to say council level pro players but you know those pro players that carry weight with their names and their performance and their history once they all agree it will become an official agreement among the pro players that the maddox is on the gentleman's agreement or something mm -hmm. to that effect so that's how things get put on it that's how things get put on it. You would think that the list, it wouldn't be that long, right? Because there would be, well, maybe there's a few things in Call of Duty or in any game in particular that, that just haven't been ironed out by the developers. There are a few things that are just broken. So I get that. People all make mistakes. What exactly is on this gentleman's agreement? So that's the thing. Uh, I, I spent some time trying to find a dedicated online page listing all items on this gentleman's agreement. And really, it's strange because they don't view it as a gentleman's agreement and there's everything on it. They view each thing individually as a gentleman's agreement. So for like we said, for example, the Maddox, let's say, okay, you and I are high level Call of Duty players and we said, you know, let's let's put the mat. Let's have the Maddox as a gentleman's agreement. So the Maddox would be a gentleman's agreement, whereas the gunship would be a gentleman's agreement. There's not some overarching list that I can go Google and find that I could find in that way. But 
what is on it is a lot of kill streaks, uh, a lot of weapons and their attachments, and some specialist abilities. You know, if you've listened to our podcast almost every week, we've had something added to it. The SOG uh, 9mm stock 2 was added. We just talked about, let's bounce back to this article, the gunship was just added to it. And this will come back when we get to later in, deeper into this topic. Hitch responded with the banning, not banning, uh, addition of the gunship saying, quote, so now there's just lightning strike and just hellstorm. That's it. And to which Scump responded, yep. So he's reacting to the fact that the score streaks are out of hand when it comes to gentlemen's agreement. So you may have noticed the sarcasm in my voice when I asked the question. And to be honest, there's that's exactly how I wanted it to be portrayed. If you didn't catch it, you know, shame on you. But the point that I was trying to make in asking the question is that the gentleman's (laughs) what? Yeah, exactly. It's not a matter of what is on it. That's not the question. The question is what isn't on the gentleman's agreement at this point. So we're going to get into just the pros and cons of this gentleman's agreement. And perhaps here, this is where we will dig a little bit more into what we really think about it. So what, what are some benefits of a gentleman's agreement? So we're actually not going to start there. We're going to start with the negatives first, because I just, I just thought about it. And if there's any silver lining, we want to leave that for last to allow it to be, you know, redeem itself. Yeah, I agree. Let's do it that way. So let's just beat it up because I'm just going to, I'm just going to be honest. I think it's stupid. I would agree. Yeah. So when we first started this podcast, not to just quickly branch off or anything, when we first started, I remember one of the first articles we actually had to discuss was, uh, I believe it was actually the stock two from the sub nine millimeter getting added to the gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know too much about it. And again, like I said, it's hard to find a nice uh, concrete list of what is and what isn't on it. But I'm like, okay, you know, the developers don't seem to be making a change for it. I think the gentleman's agreement is an interesting concept. I haven't really heard much about it in other games. Um, and I'm like, okay, it's a, you know, like growing up, I'm sure Jacob, you could agree with me playing like Black Ops 1, the freaking uh, AK-74U with, you know, stopping power or whatever, and the mm-hmm. FAMAS silence were just these guns that were like, oh my gosh, and the developers didn't nerf them or change them, and they're just, every player felt like it was running around with them. So that's the kind of thing I'm like, okay, I see where the gentleman's agreement comes in. But as we've done this podcast and co- you know collaborated or compiled news, I'm like, this is getting out of hand. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just... It, it just feels not sacred now because again, I'm like, okay, I could see something's busted, but now it feels like any, any professional player can be like, you know, this gun's busted. Let's take it out of here. And it's like, no, that's not how the game works. Yeah. So the thing that just bothers me, well, there's a lot of things that bother me about it. So I'm just going to go through and just sort of speak my thoughts. You know, I, I think it's, I said it was stupid. Now this is not a knock against, the call of duty professionals at all so i don't want it to be taken that way right but i i think i think the entire concept of this is just misguided the yeah i agree that's a good way to put it just the i understand the implications i understand what you're trying to do i understand that the game that you love the game that you play professionally the game that you make your money off of is 
not in a state that you could work with. That's not to say that you need to take it into your own hands and deal with it yourselves. Yeah. You're talking about Activision. You're talking about Treyarch, who have the ability to work with you. And if they're supporting the Call of Duty World League, they probably want the best interest of their pro players to be at the top. Perhaps that's not the case. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they want to make it make their game as competitive as possible for this very reason. They want to have a pro scene. Perhaps I'm misguided on that, but I don't think that I am. No, I, so, I would agree. So to take to take the game into your own hands is not only irresponsible and misguided. It's never consistent. Yeah. The gentleman's agreement can never be consistent. You're talking about a list that just kind of floats in the air. It floats around. Nobody knows from day to day exactly what's happening. Perhaps, you know, perhaps there's a discord out there devoted to this. That would be great. You just have a nice list of everything that's on it in a text chat or something like that. Something people can download, something people can access. But obviously... It's not readily available because it's not one list, as we've already discussed. It's multiple different things. All we have a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to use this kill streak. We have a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to use the stock on this gun. We have a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to use this specialist. It's not organized. So I this can be done in so many better ways. My opinion on the whole score streak thing. The fact that there's only the two left is laughable. If you're going to make so many changes to the score streak aspect of Call of Duty, which has been around since its very, basically since its very inception, since when Call of Duty became very popular, you should just cut them all together. Why, why cherry pick and just deal with a couple of things why would you not just eliminate the entire option altogether for competitive play? We see that in Siege. We see that in, in Counter-Strike. There are game modes. That's why you have the competitive game mode in CS. And that's why you have custom games. You have the ability to pick pro rules. You have the ability to pick the rules of the game and apply that to your match now that is just a custom game but you have that option to do that on a LAN, that wouldn't matter on a LAN, why couldn't you just say okay turn the score streaks off perhaps that's not an option in call of duty let's say it's not why would you not go to treyarch reach out to the developers and say hey guys uh instead of cherry picking uh, score streaks that we're going to use. We're going to create it, create or ask, request that we just remove skill streaks altogether as an option for competitive play. Wouldn't that just check all of the boxes that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. And so again, so your one of your big negatives is what, Jacob? Uh, shoot. Yeah, it's right. put bundle that bundle that negative up for us. Okay, so I'm going to try and sum it up in just one one word statements. It's irresponsible. Okay. 
It's unorganized. All right. It's. How do I say? I'm not exactly sure what a one word statement would be for it. You're taking they're taking it into their own hands instead right. of re relying on the help of those who are in control, really. are in control of it. Yeah. So my... it's too independent. Right. Yes, I agree. And so one of my negatives, I would say, in one word is unfair, because let's say you and I and three of our buddies are a competitive Call of Duty team. We're doing really well this season and we have a strat that's working for us and it relies on, you know, weapon A and weapon B and score streak A. Suddenly, a week later, an optic player is on Twitter complaining about it and a couple other people agree and it gets on the gentleman's agreement. Now suddenly, we're a team that was playing really well, but now people frown upon it and other players frown upon us because we're using those things that are now the gentleman's agreement. So I think, in some regard, it's a way players can nerf other players' strategies by putting their gameplay in a negative light. And that's why I think it's an unfair solution to some of these things, because I remember... We talked about a while ago, there was Optic was decimating. I can't remember the gun that they were using, but there was some gun or some strategy they had been using, and it was really, you know, a strong strong strategy competitively. Well, whatever they were using ended up in the player, the gentleman's agreement, and that strat kind of just disappeared. And again, I understand some teams are just decimating with some weapons, but you can use them too. You know what I mean? It's like... You might say, oh, this strategy is unfair, or this, you know, this weapon's overpowered. You have access to those things too. So I don't see the reason to say this team is absolutely dominating the competitive scene because they're using guns ABC. Let's just get rid of them. You know, just you use them too and compete on the same level. It's just, I, I again, I think unfair is a negative I would use. Yeah, so it also... We talked about this maybe even last week or a couple weeks ago, but the idea that you can remove score streaks or kill streaks, I think I've said this before, it takes the necessity or the usefulness of having a launcher completely out of the equation. Yeah, we talked about that. It takes the validity and usefulness of some perks completely out of the game. Well, you know, if if you don't have any of these score streaks, UAVs, whatever, why would you ever run anything like Cold Blooded or Ghost, where you don't are are not detectable by these things? You just don't. And to me, you're taking, you're putting everything under a microscope and looking at it simply for what it is, instead of how it impacts the greater game it's too you're you're taking a puzzle and you're only looking at one piece at a time you're not taking the entire puzzle putting it together and then seeing the big picture you're only look you're looking at things just microscopically with this gentleman's agreement and it's not only damaging to the game it's damaging to the entire industry long term because it sets a precedent if the pro players are now allowed to make whatever changes that they want to the game uh, in this in the competitive realm, you don't have a real competitive realm anymore. You have yeah, that's a good point. You just you have suddenly you, have this meta ahead. environment that's completely dependent on the players. 
and exactly. you know they can mold it to do whatever they want however they want and suddenly you know half the reason games are competitive is because players learn to work with the mechanics and the maps and the way you know bullets drop or the way they don't drop or the way this perk interacts with this perk etc cetera, etc cetera. well slowly removing everything just makes a really bland boring experience you have you have nothing to go on now it becomes everybody has the same class everybody does the same things everybody's it it puts the game on rails yeah and so i i'm sorry but i'm not going to watch a game where it's just deathmatch right and and again you know we talked about some of those high level strats getting removed due to the gentleman's agreement you could partially argue you know that's a benefit because if that's the if there's one strat that's just better than all the others realistically that's what every team's going to do and that could also be kind of a bland you know un, unhealthy meta but i think at the same time thinking of ways to change that meta is you know another aspect and component of the meta grow you know affecting itself with what's in the game and again so i will say i think most competitive or most companies when they see a meta that is strictly everyone is using you know this weapon everyone's using this smg or something like that if a developer sees that more than likely they're going to react to it but the play the gentleman's agreement is so constant they never give you know this score streak or this weapon a chance to affect the meta in a way that Activision or Treyarch can even do anything about it. It it just does not make it. it there's perhaps we've busted it up enough at this point, but just to sum up everything we've said, there's no way to manage it. There's no responsibility attached to it. You can just make whatever, whatever, whatever you want. You can propose anything you want. And then as long as you have enough votes, you know, it's all good. And that's, that's for the bulk. That's for the rest of the esports community or for the, for their specific game. Rather it's unmanageable. It's irresponsible. There's no restrictions. It could go on forever. It could go on forever. You're, it's not looking at the big picture. It's too microscopic yep. and it's, it's unfair. Yeah. So, and there's more that we didn't name really. There's so much more that could be said about the issues and negative effects of having a gentleman's agreement, but we could, you know, that could go in for who knows how long about just the issues that come from it. Cause there's so many from a developer perspective, a player perspective, you know, I would say the developers would bring up, you know, five different points compared to the five we brought up and as to why they don't agree with it. But again, you know, that's, we can go on and on and on, but we're not going to beat the dead horse. We've, we have our main ideas around why this might be bad. So what, what benefits could a gentleman's agreement bring about? And to me, when I think of what a gentleman's agreement could do to the game, there is some validity to it, but let me just counteract my points. I said, you have to be responsible. You have to recognize that you can't just cherry pick, pick and choose things that are within the game and decide what you do and do not want to play against. You have to recognize, okay, what, what are, what 
aspects of this game are actually counterproductive for a competitive environment? What does not produce competitiveness in our game? Right. And again, I would say on paper, the gentleman's agreement is actually a good idea. Like if I were to propose this to you on paper and say, this is what it's supposed to do. Here's how it should work. Here's how we should organize it and define it. You'd probably say, yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. I kind of like that. There's some things that would, the game would benefit from in some ways from Mm -hmm. it, but because it's become such a loose, loose, um, it's a loose cannon. Yeah, lo- yeah, it's just it's just loose. It 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 is unable to now effectively do what it's supposed to. Right. So, yeah, on paper, I think I said this before I started railing it. It's like I understand the point. And the point is good. Your your thesis topic is good. Right. The rest of your defense sucks. Because we as we just said, you're not responsible with it. It's not manageable. You need to have a central place where you keep all of this information, why it's on the gentleman's agreement, who proposed it, who supported it. That that would be a good way to actually get a count, get a number, get information behind this. Yeah, there's no statistical information that we can analyze to determine if it's a valid uh, inclusion to the agreement. And furthermore, it's unfair. Well, it's unfair, I think, as in turn, because it is irresponsible. Yeah. So you, you can't, you can't just say it, it's too easy to take advantage of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. It really is because again, if I'm a pro player, high level on a on a you know CWL level team, I put on Twitter, man, this gun this gun is awful. I really hate playing against it. And you on another team, yeah, I agree, man. Let's get rid of it. You know, a week later, it's just gone. That's not how stuff should work. No. So if there's a way for you to be responsible with it and be fair with it, you know that's. Again, this goes back to being organized, like have that place where you say, hey, guys, you know, all 50 of you, all 100 of you that are on this, have this available to you. Would you be in favor of putting this on a gentleman's agreement? And it has to win by, you know, three quarter vote or something like that, because that would be an an overwhelming majority would say yes. Right. So. It, it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, we talked about a lot of negatives of the gentleman's agreement and we mentioned some positives, but the positives are just, they've been taken to a, a level where they've become negative. Something that should have been used for good is now being used for evil. You could say. So again, this sounds like a modern superhero movie, you know, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's your just, powers for doing good have been used evil yeah so again the game is suffering from these things um so we won't stick too much longer on the pros and cons of it but furthermore in its validity should it be followed so jacob if if you look at the gentleman's agreement and you see this gone on and this gone on and this all these things why should you follow it like before we get into the why not why should you if you're a professional player 
I think the question is should just be better asked like if if it's in a state in which it should be followed. Sure. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna add to that and just say in its current state, no, this agreement should not be followed. Now to th- to just look at the silver lining, you know, if I were to back up and not look at it microscopically as it feels like the players have done and look at a big picture of it and say, should this be followed? It's hard to say. I, my my gut tells me, yes, that it should be followed for the sake of the community. Right. So that's the thing. If I'm a professional player and I'm in a you know pro tournament match, you know, finals, quarterfinals, something like that, and we win, but we didn't follow gentlemen's agreement, I just... <laughs> I don't want some super negative community reaction against my team, my my teammates, and my organization because I didn't follow the gentleman's agreement, right? That would be my why to follow it. Mm-hmm. But again, why not? It's a bunch of bogus. It's a bunch of baloney. Uh, yeah, there's there's nothing. There is no rules against it, you know? The, yeah. you, you can't just come in and say, oh, we... We think that we shouldn't use this, this item. We shouldn't use this in the game. We shouldn't use this in competitive play. Okay, that's great. I don't care. I'm going to use it anyways. It's in the game for me to use for a reason. I'm going to take advantage of that. And if you don't like it, then tough. Right. And when the actual Call of Duty World League officially changes the rule set, like bans something, Treyarch's really fast to make a change on it. Like, I think it was a few weeks, maybe a month or two after, uh, I believe, the Seeker got banned. Nerfed it. They, mm-hmm. they nerfed it. So, you know, I don't know if it's now available to use again, but they made a change to it immediately. But again, with the Gentleman's Agreement, people just, quote unquote, banning things left and right. You never get a real ability to see how it affects the meta. So Activision or Treyarch can't make a valid decision on what to do about it. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me, you know, how we've we've gotten ourselves into a place where it's like, well, we don't want to use this in the game. We don't have any real basis for doing so. We just kind of think we're we're thinking internally based off experience and not based off any numbers. We're not passing this by anybody except for ourselves and our group and we think we should we think we should do this that 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 doesn't hold any water for me yeah i just it's just hard i don't know i don't think it should be followed personally if i were again if i were a competitive player i don't know if i would want the community backlash but I just, I'm, I'm kind of with Killa where I just think it's not, it's just, it's killing the game in some regard. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna end this segment of it and just say it's stupid. You know, I, you, you could have made it into something good, but right now you're, you have a mess. You, the, the pro scene in Call of Duty has made a mess, and it's gonna be their responsibility to clean it up. And how they clean it up, well, we're gonna have to see. Yeah. But what would what would we've taken a stab at Call of Duty here and, you know, 
again, we, we want to say that we've, we do agree with the concept of the gentleman's agreement. We think that its current state is what the problem is. And if they can reel that in and fix it and just give us something that's responsible, organized and manageable and fair, we'll be, we'd probably be its biggest fans. Right. But as it current stands, none of those things are applicable. So what would this look like outside of Call of Duty, though? I'm going to go back to Siege first, and I'm going to say we already see something along the lines of it. With It's kind of unspoken. So I partake in a lot of Siege content, and the thing that I see the most is that your operators that are considered toxic or... um, that's probably the best word for it. Just toxic. Your Blackbeard, your Montane, your Blitz, your Ying, your Lion, your Lion, especially right now. A lot of times they just never get picked in high level play because they're toxic operators. They are considered to have abilities that are just far and above the necessary requirements for an operator in the game. And so they give your attacking team note that this is really attackers that are getting hit here. It gives your attacking team a clear advantage over the defense. Right. And so what you see at high level play sometimes is that they just, they will default to not picking them until they get picked against them. Right. And so, and again, you know, when we saw, I believe, near the end of season eight or nine of the ESL Pro League for Siege, Lions pick rate, he appeared 90% of the time, 88% of that time was banned. Mm-hmm. So after that point, I think that's when all the pro players are like, this is kind of out of hand with this operator. How about we all just agree, don't go near him. And we didn't see him at all, I believe, at the uh, the major. So again, that's just letting the players allowed Lion into the meta saw how he affected it and then silently agreed here's what we're going to do and now ubisoft is making big steps to change him but note how responsible that was note the responsibility that it took for them to say hey look i think we can all agree on this and it was it was spoken and it was a majority and it was a high majority it was spoken not only in content, it was spoken in actual games. It was spoken in Face It Pro League, you know, mm-hmm. matches and stuff like that. Hey, can we auto ban Lion? Yes, and and it, it's it's an understanding. A lot of these, a lot of the things that happen in Siege are generally an understanding. With Lion, that was like an obvious outlying corner case. Chop it, you know. Yeah. And then what what did we see? We saw. Ubisoft get involved. The pros were not quiet about this with amongst themselves. They were actively asking and, you know, prodding a lot, but vocalizing their thoughts online and saying, look, this, this is not in a good state. This is not a good place to be competitively. And what do we see? We see the outcomes of that. We see the fruit of that. 
lions getting a rework, a complete rework. And so that that's what needs to happen. And you'll note that even though some of the other operators that are considered toxic aren't getting changes, at least for the time being, we know glass has a change coming as well with his thermal scope. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're seeing is a general just understanding of, okay, this is what we have on the table. As long as you don't play these things, we won't play them against you. But right. see, there's a there's a difference in that, right? Because it's not it's not a matter of in in professional play with Siege, you still pick you still pick your Blackbeard, you still pick your Montaigne, you still pick your Ying, and there's an understanding of, well, okay, cool, we're just gonna have to counter it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you, you talked about the team picking Blackbeard and they just counter it. If I'm a pro pro player or even a fan watching. I don't suddenly say, wow, that team picked Blackbeard. That's a bunch of crap. You know, I hope they lose for doing something like that. I don't act that way. Whereas I, from the gentleman's agreement, it appears the community will be like, wow, they're using these weapons. They they basically cheated to win that match. You know, Mm -hmm. the community reaction is completely different from, you know, what's on the gentleman's agreement versus these quote unquote toxic operators. And I think, again, that's, that's proposed upon the community uh, com- competitive and viewers by this gentleman's agreement mm-hmm. because but, of the call of duty pro players make it that way. Whereas the siege pro players, they don't put some, you know, negative connotation on these operators. They're just, they're kind of toxic to play against. We're just not going to do anything about it, but if either of us do it, the other one will do it. No big deal. It's to be expected, right? It's it's not, it's not a matter of it's, there's no sort of, dying on the hill that you're on where it's like in siege it's okay well you play that against us you should expect to have it played back right in call of duty it's almost a matter of like you said well you played this i don't have a single class made that has these weapons that you're using or these score streaks added you know i don't have those enabled and since the game's already started i can't change them so it's like it's more like, how dare they use that gun against yeah, us? They're yeah. violating the gentleman's agreement. We're in siege. It's, all right, they're using Lion. Let's go ahead and use Lion. You know what I mean? There is there is no agreement. It's a silent agreement. Sure, it might be. But it's an understanding that it's a group understanding. It's a community understanding that these operators, well, they they are just, they might be a little better than what they look like on paper. Now, the difference, I think, that should be noted is that the siege community is generally pretty audible about changes that need to be made. We saw Blackbeard already take a heavy nerf mm-hmm. on his shield. Well, maybe that wasn't enough. Maybe it is enough. I, I you know, it's tough to say. It's tough to say for me. But we don't really? have we don't have this list of things that are just inherently wrong with the game. That yeah, we exactly. I mean, if we really wanted to, let's say you and I are pro players, if we really wanted to, we could make a list of things we don't like. You know, playing against Monty at the end that sucks. Getting trashed by Vigil with his his sick gun that sucks. Like, there's tons of things that suck, 
but I'm not going to just say, you know what, I have the ability. I'm just going to go down my list and remove all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like we're saying, hey, remove the R4C from Ash. Yeah. It's not like we're saying, hey, remove Jaeger's um, carbine. Yeah, there's we're not saying remove Rook's ACOG and stuff like that. Yeah, we're there's, not, there's plenty of things that we find frustrating or annoying in a game that may be more or less powerful, but you shouldn't form this ideal around it where it's we can just complain about it and just, you know, call it out ourselves by our own by our own accord. Exactly. And you'll note that the the silent agreement for siege is strictly operator based. Yeah, there's not a lot of guns or anything guns, like that. Attachments, yep. gadgets. Listen, it's all basically fair game. And so the fact that the siege community has been able to say, okay, well, we don't we don't like Blackbeard, we don't like Lion, and we don't like we really don't like these other operators either, but we kind of like put up with them because it's they're a part of the game. That's the difference. Yeah. You're not nitpicking every single thing and saying, well, we don't like, we don't like claymores anymore. So we're going to put the claymores on the gentleman's agreement. We don't like, it's going to use them. And if you do, you're, you're a jerk. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't happen that way. And I, I, if anyone would counter this by saying as such, I would say that's incredibly unlikely. I don't think call call of duty is somehow just ridiculously unbalanced compared to siege case i don't think that these guns are just oh my gosh they're actually ridiculous we need to do something about it where siege is you know some are better than others but we can handle it i don't think that's the case i don't think so either but so that's what it looks like in siege it, it already looks like something but it doesn't look anything like what we see in call of duty is it good or bad in siege's case i actually think it's good because yeah. it gives ubisoft something to actually work on it gives them a framework for saying, okay, well, we've made some mistakes here and we want to try and fix them in the most reasonable way possible without changing the entire, the way an entire operator works with the exception of Lion. They, they recognize that that one is just over the top and there's no fixing it besides completely redoing it. Right. So in, in Counter-Strike, yeah, Counter-Strike. Move on to there. What would what would it look like in CS? The the thing that Honestly. pops out in my head is it it just wouldn't work. Is my first reaction because there's there's honestly not a lot of things in Counter-Strike. There's not a lot of items. In yeah, general. I, I I have no idea how that would look actually. You don't have special characters. Everybody has access to the same weaponry. Now, judging if you're on the same side, you have some different things. You know, maybe the AUG is better than the STIG. Uh, maybe AK is better than M4. But that's, that is has all been a balancing act for the game. So yeah. I think Counter-Strike right now is probably the most balanced of the three games that we cover. Yeah, I think it, it 100%. I don't even know why that's a question to me. It, it 100% is. I don't there's think this gentleman's agreement would work. Content. Yeah, yeah. I, there's just not enough content, uh, you know, effectively ban or restrict anything. You know, 
you can't just say no more Molotovs. That's just game breaking. You can't yeah, say no more AK. Yeah. Game breaking. You can't. There's nothing in Counter Strike could say to improve the game. There's just not enough there. There's no, you know, we don't have operators, we don't have score streaks, we don't have anything like that. It's very, very arcadey at heart. And I think that's one of the, the things that allows it to maintain that level of competitiveness because, you know, it just, you, you can't just complain about things because it, it really is really balanced. That's just how it works. That's how yeah. the game operates to remove any of the pieces of this moving puzzle would completely send it off the rails. Yeah. You know, it becomes Counter-Strike is, is in a really interesting place all by itself because it really is just a game where you, you can, you can have the worst aim in the world, but still win with strategy. Yeah. And to take the strategy by removing things out of the game, such as Molotov smokes or whatever limits the game to only being as good as you are in your aim. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just, yeah, you just remove, removing, like removing the flashbang is like detrimental to gameplay. Like I can't imagine counter without flashes. There's so many small pieces. There's sorry. There's not very many pieces, but all of them are so critical that taking one out, it just, it's not, it's not good for the game. It's at not all. palatable. Yeah, I don't even, so again, I don't think the gentleman's agreement's even possible, and if it were there, it'd be a terrible idea. Yeah, so that's where we stand on all three games. Yeah. Looking I, looking into the future, what, what do we expect from the gentleman's agreement? Honestly, it's, I, I think it would get worse, it's going to get worse, if I'm being honest, looking at it right now. I don't know if what Killa is saying would resonate with any of the pro players, or they'll just, you know, get all mad about it and and counteract it but i i think it's gonna get worse i don't think it's going away anytime soon hopefully by the end of this year some players eyes will be open you know as of mid last year early last year they will see the light yeah yeah some players are like you know this sucks it's a joke really and i think there's more people getting into that uh ideal about it so i hope it's gone by the end of this year but i don't think it will be i think it's gonna get worse i think i think so I'm going to side with Killa and say that they are they are killing their game in yeah, Call of Duty. Are. But they're not going to fully realize it. They may think that this is a joke. What Killa is saying is a joke. But I think it's going to actually take for them to, to lose their ability to play competitive Call of Duty for money to really see what they've done. So you're saying so, it's going to get to a point where it just breaks itself and it goes away entirely? I, I think so. They're, they're going to realize that the writing's on the wall one day and they, they're not going to have a game to play, really a game to play because yeah. it's just wh why would why would you not just play Counter-Strike if your game is literally just, you know, aim central? Yeah, that would be, you awful. know, it, it, nobody. I can't think of a single person that would want to watch Deathmatch, a tournament of Deathmatch games. Yeah, you know, it's just like to me, it's. There is there in its current state, there is nothing good that can come of it. Now, can it be improved? I I certainly think so. Can yeah. you turn this? Can you turn this boat around? I think you can, and actually do some things, some things that are really good for Call of Duty. Yeah, I agree. But, and I'll say this real quick: yeah. we were talking about Ubisoft doing things. 
and you know activision or treyarch not getting the chance to i don't think these pro players realize at least in call of duty that like ubisoft and siege they have an environment and they have the resources and they have the raw game to test for hours and hours how gameplay would be if you know lion was changed this way or mm-hmm. you know iq has changed this way or something like that whereas you know they just immediately react let's take the gunship out instead of saying you know let's see you know let the developers say let's see how the gunship would go if we did this let's see if the gun how the gunship would go if we had this there and is it's no a lot testing. yeah there's a it's a lot harder for them to get statistical multiplayer information if none of the freaking pros can use it because it's you know in the list and again from what i saw the gunship is extremely powerful like eight rpgs it took to kill it or something like that something kind of outrageous like that's ridiculous like eight shots is a bit high but you need to allow it to affect the meta for the developers to do something about it exactly so there are changes that you just need to work together we're all bit one big happy family right as it turns out and as much as you think that it's just the players versus everybody else it's not that's not the case yeah it, we at all least have not the a same balancing, goal right at least not a balancing perspective as we talked about you know we plan on getting into a discussion about you know just the economics of the gaming industry you know companies you know always grabbing for money but that's a completely different topic this is obviously developers want to make their game a fun balanced experience or else you wouldn't play it Exactly. So in driving this to a close, what we're, we're disappointed, I think, in the way that the Gentleman's Agreement for Call of Duty has been managed and proposed. We think much higher of our professional players than what this has shown them to be. Right. So they have some work to do. And I think it starts off with just recognizing that you can't do this alone. You need, it's a lot bigger than that. You're looking at two, too few pieces in a puzzle that is, that is a lot bigger than just the competitive environment. Yeah. So with that soup, is there anything, any last statements that you want to make in regards to the gentleman's agreement? I think we did a really good job covering it. I know it seemed kind of ranty probably to our listeners, just kind of complaining about it, but really we needed just to lay down our thoughts on it because again, with like we, we agree with Killa, they, they are killing their game by just weekly taking stuff out. until we have this bland death match of 10 guns, no attachments, three perks to pick from. It's just going to get out of hand until there's a breaking point, like you said. And hopefully at that breaking point, you know, they just revert everything. They start with a fresh meta and allow the game to organically build upon itself. Even better yet, there needs to be a community aspect where you are hand in hand with your developer looking for solutions. You You don't come to conclusions by yourself. You need to really work together to strive towards this goal of making a competitive game that everybody can one enjoy playing and two enjoy consuming yeah again just to i would say to put into perspective you can either have Maddox now balanced maddox that creates a healthy meta later i 100%. think that's what the gentleman agreement yeah causes because it's like let's just get rid of this now and not worry about it 
well, you could let it affect the meta for a little while and have Treyarch make some changes to it, and then the Maddox would be there to stay, and it will be a really great gun for all players to use. But they're so you know, quick to just get rid of things because they think it's unhealthy or annoying or frustrating to play against. Well, regardless of reasoning, th- there is there is some positives to look forward to and, and some hope uh, that we can look forward to with this agreement and just really, really, uh, we want to get behind the decisions that are made within these games, but this is one decision that uh, we are not going to get behind our support in any way, shape, or fashion as it currently stands for the time being. Closing up on this conversation of the gentleman's agreement, if you have enjoyed the content that we are creating, if you have made it this far into the podcast, we do thank you uh, very much for making it this far. It seemed to be kind of a, a, a negative Nancy sort of episode. We don't want to come off that way. We just want the best for the games that we play and love. And I know you as a listener, you do too. So. Thank you for making it this far. We want to hear your thoughts on the gentleman's agreement as well. You can post them in the comments. You can post them in Discord as well. We'll have a link for that down in the description. If you'd like to follow the Nate Stack via social media, we are on Twitter at the Nate Stack. Again, that is at the Nate Stack. You can also search for us, the Nate Stack podcast. We're pretty much the only thing that'll pop up, so pretty hard to miss us in that regard. You can follow us on there. Uh, get updates on when episodes go live on YouTube and some other various news and uh, things that we see in our feed that we might retweet once you guys to see as well. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at TNS Haterade. You can see uh, all of the content that I am into there, whether it be uh, politics or other esports or uh, other media, other technology, Magic the Gathering, finance, and playing the game as well. If you're into that, you can come talk about it. Uh, we have a lot to slog through. Christian, where can we find you? You can also find me on Twitter at cdab96. Uh, I post just different art, um, 3D development, animation, graphics, all those kinds of things. I'm also involved in the Magic Gathering community, like Jacob is, and uh, a lot of cool stuff I just follow movies, media, things of that nature. Retweet a lot of cool things that things I find cool at least. So you can follow me at CW96 on Twitter. You might note that we also have an Instagram account for the podcast. It is also at the Nate Stack, simple enough. Again, links are in the description if uh, you would like to do any of these. Episodes go live on Tuesdays. I'm aiming for the noon slot. So uh, keep expecting that at that time from us and you will get a fresh pod every single week that we are available. Looking forward to our next episode, we do want to give you the heads up that we have a uh, early record date. And so our news segment might be a little shorter uh, than usual. So just be expecting of that. Uh, we are going to be recording a couple days ahead of time uh, because our my co-host Soup here uh, he is going on a a cruise, I believe that it is. So uh, hopefully the Sharkies don't get to him and uh, he can come back safe and sound. <laughs> yeah, hopefully first time. So I'm looking forward to. Him. I'm excited it's going out with my wife's family. Should be a good time. But uh, yeah, just excited to record. We'll bring any news that is missed that week to you in the following week. So we will not miss out on anything. It just might get you a little bit late. One hundred percent. So 
if that's all that we have from Christian and myself from the gentleman's agreement, we want to just thank you again for uh, running on this journey with us. It is a labor of love and something that we love to do. We have fun doing on a weekly basis and we hope you're having fun with us as well. That's going to bring us to a close here for this episode of the Nate stack for Christian soup. Dab. I'm Jacob Haterade Bailey. You've been listening to the Nate stack and we'll see you next time. <laughs>